the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 21, starting at verse 12. Come have breakfast, he told them. None of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They, they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took bread, gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This is now the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he had raised from the dead. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. And a second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter, grieved that he would ask a third time, do you love me, said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. I assure you, when you are young, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify what kind of death he would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. Can you imagine what that felt like? Can you imagine what those eyes said? Do you think it would have been, I told you so. Do you think it would have been disappointment? The Bible doesn't tell us. In fact, Luke is the only gospel that records that Peter and the Lord made their eye contact. None of the commentaries really addressed what that, that I could find. But I think his eyes said two things. I think they said, I forgive you, Peter. And I still love you. But you know, he had to feel terrible. He was tired. He was scared. He didn't know what was going on. His whole world was crashing down around him. And to add to all that, he had denied the Lord. All the boasting about how he would stand by no matter what, all the acclamation that, I love you more than all of these. Even if they fail you, I won't leave you. After all, I'm Peter. John tells us uh, that he and James and Peter were taken to the garden by, by Jesus. All Jesus asked them to do was to stay awake and to pray. They all failed at that. Not once, not twice. But three times when the Lord went away to pray. You've got to remember, this is the night when Jesus sweated blood. He was in so much anguish. And all three of them fell asleep. Was it because of the late at, being late at night? Was it because Satan was trying to work at them? Was it because they were stressed and bewildered? <laughs> In all likelihood, it was a combination of those. That's why Jesus had asked them to keep watch, to pray, so that they could stay strong in their faith in the most trying times that they would ever face, this side of the cross. i got to ask, have we been falling asleep and stopped praying as we once did? 
let's get real here, folks. We need to pray as a church. We need to be praying for Pastor Ted. I really don't know how he does it. There is no way I could prepare a sermon every week. It takes too much out of you. And after you spend time diagramming and laying out and figuring out everything, and you're doing your reading, your research, and then you hear the Spirit say, nope, that's not what I want you to tell my people. This is. We need to be praying for Nancy. For years, our prayers were for a pastor's wife that was involved in the church. And I think without any doubt, Nancy has taken the crown by a landslide. But we need to pray for her. We need to tell her we love and appreciate her. You know, I'm really glad that they were able to get away these two weeks. I think they needed to get their batteries recharged. And what better way to do that than being with your grandkids and your family? I'm learning that. Remember to ask the Lord to bless their time together. We also need to be praying for our church leadership. I can honestly say that we need your prayers. We are trying to follow the Lord. We are trying to see where he is leading us as individuals and as a church. We need your prayers for discernment and clarity of his voice to know that what he is calling us to. We also need to be praying for each other. We need to share more with prayer at cybercommunity.org. We need more people to sign up for First Work Prayer Ministry. This is how we pray for each other throughout the week. We need to utilize it more. There shouldn't be a day there aren't prayer requests coming in. We need to look at the prayer page in the Meets app. Is that right, Eric? That Eric's been telling us about. We need to reach out to each other and be bold and say, I want to pray for you. Or, I need you to pray for me. We need to hold each other up, guys. Can we do that? Can we do that right now? Can you turn to the person next to you? Can you tell them, and I know it's uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable for me. Can you tell them you want to pray for them? I hear a couple, I hear a couple. Now, if you turn to the person on the other side and ask them to pray for you. Now, see, that's a tough one. Because that's admitting that we don't have it all together. It's admitting that we are Peter and not Christ. This is one I struggle with mightily. So while you guys are praying, pray for me too. So what about that sword in Malchus's ear? This happened right after... Jesus woke them up after they fell asleep in the garden and during the betrayal of Judas. I'm sure Peter really believed that he would, be, he would stand by and protect Jesus. Matter of fact, he did try. John chapter 18 tells us, Now Judas, who betrayed them, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches and lanterns and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And when Jesus said, I am he, They drew back and fell to the ground. You know, there's certain moments in the Bible that I used to call my bucket list items. I want to see and understand things better when I get to heaven. 
Some people have bucket lists here on earth. They want to go here, do there, see this, do that. And to me, I just want to understand some more things in the Bible. This is one of those moments. What exactly happened? I'm viewing it as like a video game move when Jesus says, I am a powerful concussion wave passes through the area leveling anything and everything. That doesn't really fit here. If it was a phenomenon like that, the disciples would have fallen down too. And the Bible doesn't say that happened at all. No, this was raw spiritual power. Talk about calm in the sea. That must have been an awesome display. So, you know, the disciples had to think, he could certainly be the Messiah that they want. He could certainly stand up to the Romans. They still didn't accept that Jesus had told them that he was going to die. But he was the Messiah, right? Again, Jesus asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I envision they were being pretty timid by this point. Again, it's just my interpretation. But he had just shown the power he had at his disposal. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. And this happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. I kind of think all those soldiers and the scribes picked themselves up off the ground. They didn't really want to challenge Jesus. I think that because he had just leveled all of them. This is why they let everyone else flee, I, in my mind. I don't know, I really couldn't find anything on it. I guess that's another one of those bucket list questions I have to ask. But then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. Now, I really used to love watching sword play in the movies. There are always guys that could, you know, flick off the flame of the candle without harming the candle and and the fight scenes, how they jumped over tables and pulled on banisters and jumped off castle walls with no problems. But this isn't Scarlet Pimpernel movie, and this isn't Three Musketeers. This isn't even Princess Bride. All of these could have maybe cut off poor Malchus's ear. Not Peter. Peter's not a soldier, and he's certainly not a swordsman. He's a fisherman. Roy, if I gave you a sword, could you cut off my ear and not my head? No, Peter might take somebody's head off, but it would take a great deal of skill to remove only his ear. I think the Lord actually protected poor Malchus, but I guess it wouldn't really matter. Jesus is going to heal him anyway, whether it was his ear ear or his head or maybe even his foot. Luke 22 tells us, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike out with our swords? And of course, Peter did. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Jesus, while they were coming to arrest him, performed a miracle and healed Malchus. 
It's amazing to me that all of those soldiers and scribes that just picked themselves up didn't fall right back down again. They should have fallen to their knees and started worshiping. But that couldn't happen. God had to have that perfect sacrifice to save us. The point is that Jesus had everything under control. But Peter had his idea of what should be done. Whether he's doing the Father's will or not, he was going to try to stand up for Jesus. If you think about it, it really doesn't make much sense. He had just seen Jesus level that entire army. What did he think one sword was going to do greater than that? So, how was Peter to protect Jesus? In fact, it didn't seem like Jesus even wanted protecting. What Jesus wanted was to do the will of the Father. Peter and the other disciples couldn't wrap their head around it. He was the Messiah, and they still thought he was going to restore Israel. As Christians, we all want to model Jesus. We all want to be like Jesus. We want to be his hands and his feet. Do you remember the fad back in the 90s? Everyone was wearing a wristband or a necklace that displayed WWJD. It was popular in the 90s. But I just recently found out that it actually started in the 19th century. And you know what? They picked it up from the 15th century. That's because as Christians, we are called to be Christ-like. We're called to be little Christ. Do you know, you know what? We can't do it. None of us on this side of heaven can be as perfect and blameless as Christ was. In reality, most of us are more like Peter. We try to be like Christ, but like Peter and the other disciples, we stumble over ourselves and our own understanding. That's okay, it really is. Peter did pretty well. I think that it's important to remember that Jesus declared Simon as the rock well before all these stumbles occurred. Because Christ knew what Peter would become in the future, not just what he was at the time. The Bible says that God doesn't choose us by our outward appearances. God doesn't choose us because we are popular or we are strong. God chooses us because of what is in our heart. Remember when Samuel anointed David? God chose David because of his heart. God chose Peter because of his heart as well. Even after Peter had sank to the lowest point of his life, the moment he heard that crow, Jesus reached down and pulled him up again. Just like when Peter was sinking in the water, when he had taken his eyes off the Lord. The scripture that Sarah read for us this morning is about uh, Jesus reinstating Peter. And I just want to take you back for just a moment to that beach in Galilee. John tells us that after Jesus provided nets of fish a second time, that he reached up and he raised Peter up. You know, it, it's interesting that the Lord in this first time used the exact same words that Peter had used the following, the Last Supper. When Peter boasted of his undying love and his profession that if 
Even if all the other disciples fell away from Christ, he certainly wouldn't. It's also interesting that this is a more humble, more personal Peter. He doesn't respond with that same pride and that same arrogance that he once did. One of the commentaries uh, by Chuck Smith, I believe, um, said that the lambs that's being referred to here actually refers to the disciples. Many others agree with him. So what needed to happen here was that Peter needed to take care of everybody else. Second time that Jesus asked him, signifies the reinstatement of Peter as the rock of the church. And they look at this as being uh, the sheep that it's talking about here are all the new converts that are going to be joining the kingdom in the books of Acts. It's kind of interesting also that the Lord isn't calling him Peter right now. He's calling him by his given paternal name, his earthly name, Simon, son of John. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It says that Peter was hurt. Why was he hurt? Because Peter had denied the Lord three times. And Peter didn't want to be reminded of it. But Peter was offered forgiveness and restored for all of those denials. You see, God did know all things. He does know all things. He knew what was going to happen in the courtyard before the rooster crowed. He knew what was going to happen in the garden before the soldiers got there. He knew what was going to be recorded in the book of Acts. What's kind of strange is that when the pastor asked me to share it with you this morning, I was studying the book of Acts, and I thought that was where I was going to focus at. But it became apparent to me while I was studying and praying these last couple of weeks that that we can be as unfaithful and unreliable and as a big failure as Peter and yet be used by the Lord for his purposes. So what I wanted to do this morning is to remind us of Scripture that we've probably heard many times in our Christian walk. I wanted to remind us that we all fail as humans, but if we have faith in Christ, he is able to reach down and pick us up. Real quick, I want to look at Acts 2. And I encourage you to read through all the book of Acts on your own so you can understand him thoroughly. The first is during and directly following the gift of the Spirit, starting in verse 5. Now there we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the sound of the Holy Spirit, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galilean? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. 
No, this is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel. So after Peter quotes prophet Joel, he returns to this. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over you to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here today. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, and that was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted at the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, has poured out that you poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what can we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. But those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number. I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty big altar call to me. And the apostles were just getting started. And this, from a fisherman that couldn't get out of his own way, it was socially awkward and proudful and full of himself that had sunken into the lake and into despair when he had taken his eyes off Jesus. You know, there's literally so much more I want to share with y'all. I didn't get to talk to you about the transfiguration or walking on water or the stuff that happens in Acts 4 but I encourage you to go back and look at that yourself. I didn't get to talk to you about casting nets on one side of the boat versus the other, and that this happened twice, the second being Christ's last recorded miracle on earth. Please stand with me for prayer. Dear Lord, we all want to do what Jesus would do. We want to be like Jesus. We all want to serve him, but we know, Lord, that we really can't be like Jesus because Jesus is perfect and we are anything but perfect.
Yes, it's true that if we are saved, that we are saints. But I think in my heart that we are all sinning saints. We try, but we can never, never be perfect because only Jesus is perfect. Instead, Lord, I think we are more like Peter. We mean well, but we keep stumbling over our own feet. We keep tripping over our own pride, over our own rebelliousness, our lack of faith. But we have hope because you still loved Peter and you still love us. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit you gave him, that same spirit that you give us, that Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to pray and help us, to Lord, to pray together. Will you join me in the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou announcest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. In a minute or two, we're going to cut away from Facebook because we're going to close with a couple of music videos. I invite you to check them out. Uh, the first one is This Is Now by Casting Crowns, who is all about Peter. And the second